Hi there, welcome to a special edition of Uppity Women. As you may have heard in a previous episode, Vote Run Lead had a campaign training up in Fayetteville, Arkansas in May. And we went and had a chance to talk to some of the women who were attending and also got to learn a little bit about Emerge Arkansas. In this episode, we're going to talk to the new executive director, Sarah Scanlon, and also a couple of board members, Gracie Ziegler and Gayatri Agnew. Gayatri will also talk about her run for state rep. Other women that we talked to that day were Misty Duffy, Stephanie Baker, Joanna Thomas, Lou Reed Sharp, and Nicole Willis. They talked to us about running for office or planning to run for office and their experience at Vote Run Lead. So the launch event for Emerge Arkansas is going to be Saturday, June 1st at 10 o'clock in the morning at Trio's. And uh, I know that they would love to see you all there. I plan to attend and we support all groups who train women to run for office. If you know of other groups that we have not talked to or or discussed, please, please, please let us know because we want to talk to them, especially if there are any Republican groups. I mentioned to Sarah in the interview that there aren't any here that I know of, but please correct me if I am wrong, because we really want all women to run no matter which party they are affiliated with. Please enjoy this episode and support Emerge Arkansas. Okay, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Congratulations on your new position. Thank you very much. It seems like a perfect fit. Haven't you... Well, let me just actually interview you. Um, Welcome, Sarah Scanlon, the new Executive Director of Emerge Arkansas, which is new to the state. Tell me a little bit about your background in training, because I know you have extensive history in all this. I do. So for, gosh, uh, seven years, I was with Wellstone Action, which is a national training organization that's been reconfigured and renamed to Repower. That's the new name for it. But at the time that it was Wellstone Action, I was a senior trainer for them and ran all over the country training people to run for office, run political campaigns, and issue advocacy. And then I've also, add on top of that, a couple of years' experience with the National Democratic Training Committee, running around the country training state affiliates with the Democratic Party on those same things, basically how to run for office and how to manage campaigns. And you have done um, several trainings for Women Lead Arkansas, uh, which we really appreciate, and you've you've always been one of the most popular trainers that we've had, so (laughs) I appreciate that. Well, Uh, where were you last week when I needed my ego boosted? Oh, what happened last week? Out of nothing. I was just <laughs> every day we need our ego boosted. God, God knows I do. Um, so you also worked for Bernie Sanders' campaign in the last cycle. Is that right? Or in the last presidential cycle? So the last presidential campaign, I was his state director in Arkansas. I was also his national outreach director for gay and lesbian folks. Mm-hmm. But I began the idea of political, the political world and and candidates and candidacies began when I was 13 years old when my mother ran for office in Jonesboro, Arkansas as uh, as a Democrat in a Democratic primary on the Equal Rights Amendment platform. So the reason that she wanted to run and the reason she wanted to be a state representative was to pass the ERA in Arkansas. I did not know that. Yeah. Did, she, yeah. did she win? No, she actually lost. A slim, a slim loss to a gentleman named Ken Camp, who is a, a Baptist minister in Jonesboro. Okay. So I feel like we're in such weird times. I don't even know really what my question is, but have you, um, kind of what 
changes have you seen in the landscape as far as Democrats in Arkansas over the last couple of decades? Is there anything you are kind of thinking about as you move forward with Emerge? Yeah, so there's so let's talk about what Emerge is and what Emerge does on the national level. So Emerge is an organization on the national scene has been around for more than 15 years and they were created it was created by a bunch of really amazing women who wanted to lift up democratic women women running as democrats and support them in their effort to run for office there are 25 affiliates across the country including well let's look at nevada which is or as they say i'm sorry i mispronounced it nevada nevada uh, <laughs> So let's look at Nevada, where they have, they're the first state to have a majority women legislature. And a few years ago, that didn't, that wasn't even a thought on their radar. And they have an Emerge affiliate that's been working very hard with organizations on the ground to recruit, train, and support women who want to run for office as Democrats at every level of government. So what that means is that in Arkansas, we have an amazing board that's been organizing over the last year and bringing people together and having meetings all across the state to talk about how we actually institute something that supports women running for office at all levels in a way that's outside of the good work that's being done already. Like what value added could we add? Could we bring mm -hmm. and emerge is a nationally proven training program that's not a one-off program it's not something that happens for two days or two and a half days once every couple of years it like the amazing work that you've been doing stephanie but it's something that is that takes place over the course of months so women who are um, accepted into the program go agree to attend a training once a month for two days in locations all across the state. So we move the location every month, but they commit to doing the work that's necessary. And we go beyond just what you would normally see in trainings. We go beyond field. We go beyond fundraising. We start talking about um, equality and inclusiveness. We talk about how we bring our values into the political sphere, and we, we start talking about how we actually lead from those positions of values and those issues that are important to us. We don't have litmus tests. We don't. The only litmus test we have is that you have to be a Democrat. That's it. I like the kind of the structure of Emerge and how you work with the members, because one thing that I have always kind of lamented is that I never really developed women leads trainings into more, um, you know, longer term or more detailed in the weeds programming. We, you know, we always kind of just hit the highlights for a weekend and they're mm -hmm. great training. So I, I'm, I do not mean that we were not doing good trainings. They were fantastic, but I know you're doing like, great trainings. Yeah. And I just felt like we always needed to do more. So I'm really glad, um, despite my initial kind of, you know, um, I don't know what the right word is, but when all these you know groups started popping up, I, I felt a little it's bit like consternation. It's like, wh why don't we just build what we have in place? Right. Why don't we like support what's going on? Totally understand. Totally yeah. get it. But after I took a minute to feel that way, then it makes me thrilled that there are more and more groups coming out and and doing this work because we need you know the more the merrier. And um, I don't see any reason why we can't do this all together. So. And, and there's always going to be a place, I think, for nonpartisan groups. So Vote Run Lead or Women Lead Arkansas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I never see any groups for Republican women. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, 
All right. So uh, you're having your first event on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. What's that going to be like? So it's going to be, it's our kickoff event, and we're very thrilled to have the board chair from Louisiana, who is a, a Little Rock native, coming in to to help welcome us into the Emerge family. We also have State Representative Attica Scott coming from Kentucky. And Attica is someone who is just, is, she's an alum of the Emerge program. So it's somebody that we actually have that is in elected office in the state legislature in Kentucky who can speak to the values of what Emerge does and how Emerge actually helps women develop their uh, political identity and helps them get elected. So we're very thrilled about that. And we have uh, we have folks from Tennessee coming in to help us and help explain and talk about what Emerge is doing and how who Emerge is. So along with the board and the founding contributors and the the team, we we have a gathering happening at Trios. We'd love to have more people joining us. And to be clear, while this organization is about supporting and and lifting up women, everybody's welcome. Everybody is welcome. Yeah, and there are plenty of male allies who support more oh, women absolutely. running for office. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So in, um, I have been feeling pretty down about things lately, and, you know, the more I read the news, the worse it gets. In a place like Arkansas, what sorts of challenges are, do Democrats have, and how, how are you going to be talking to women and other people about overcoming those to reach more voters? And we're so polari- polarized and, and divided right now, it's, it's hard for me to see how to overcome that. So I think the first thing I want to say is that there's some misnomers about Arkansas. The first misnomer is is that we're a red state. And the reality is we are not a red state. We're very purple when it comes right down to it. We have people who are by far and large independent thinkers, independent actors, independent movers. They they respond to the personal things that they experience in their own life. What we have is what we have in reality is we've not given people and voters in particular enough reason to get out and vote for people at the ballot box. And so we see a 47 percent participation by the electorate. We get excited and thrilled when we reach 53 percent participation by the electorate. But ultimately, the issue is not that we're red or a blue state. The issue is we're not a state where we're appealing to people and showing people the impact that politics has on their daily lives. I think that changes. I think it changes dramatically when we start talking about the real issues, the issues that people experience in their daily lives, and we start trusting and building the trust with the people that are asking to be in office. And that's what we're going to be doing here is really helping people envision what they want Arkansas to look like and listening to people who live in the state, who experience life in the state and making sure we're engaging with them in a way that's real and honest and giving people an opportunity to um, put good leaders in place. And that's the way I think we need to think about it is not this idea that, you know, Arkansas is so red. There's no way we're ever going to move any progressive issues. If we give people an opportunity and give them an ability to vote for somebody they trust and believe in, then we see that change taking place. The the example I'll use is Megan Godfrey, who won her race with 25 by 25 votes. 
and who is representing a district that has been predominantly represented by Republicans. We now have a Democrat in that office who happens to be a woman who spent a lot of time appealing to people who didn't normally vote in elections. And that's how she's winning, and that's how she continues to um, kind of represent the people of her district. And she's done some amazing stuff. Megan is the one that helped move DACA nurses and the ability for DACA students to become nurses and get licensed as nurses. That's some really great legislation. Yeah, that's so, you know, I, I, you're right. I don't look at it that way, and that's that's a good way to look at it. So really, it's more about just getting um, voter turnout increased rather than thinking of it as red versus blue. Yeah, I mean, if you, look at the, if you look at the data, the data tells us that in places across the state, we have, like in elections, we have as low as 10 percent, 15 or 25 percent of the voters who are eligible to vote actually voting. A good example is going to be the state representative race to replace our friend Charles Blake. Mm-hmm. Like when he went to work for the mayor, that's great. Where you expect scientists will look at that district and the fact that it's an off-year election and expect to see between 12 and 15 percent of the voters turning out. Yeah, and that's the problem. Speaking of that race, you and I actually talked about me running for that race because I, yeah. I had mentioned something about it. And my inclination has been, well, if no one decent runs, then I guess I will. Is that typical of women's attitudes about running for office? Because I yeah, do feel yeah. a little insecure about running against, because I'm white, it's a primarily black district, and there are at least two, I think three now, right, African-American men who are, have announced an interest in running. And I mm-hmm. feel very insecure about running under those circumstances. How would you counsel someone like me in that situation? So here's the thing. We cannot, We we're, I'm done There's a couple of things that I really want to push. The first is no more anointing. We're not going to anoint somebody. We're not going to go through and say, okay, it's your turn to run for office. Stephanie, I want you to feel like that you, there's no question in my mind that you are more than capable to serve in any level of government. We don't need people in leadership who look around and say, you know, if nobody else is going to do it, I'll do it. There's, we need people stepping forward to say, by golly, I can do this and I want to do this. It's a point of service. It's a thing that I'm, I feel like I'm called to do and I feel good about doing it. The problem that we're facing and the problem, the challenges that we have are that women have to be asked five times to run for office by people who recognize their skill, by people who recognize their leadership qualities. They still have to be asked five times. And more often than not, they say things or they respond like, well, I've got my kids at home or I've got to do this or I've got to do something else that falls on their shoulder, right? Whereas men will step up and say, well, you know what? I want to do that, so I'm going to go and do it and not think about the process or the other things that they have to do. Now, they may have to kids at home. They may have a job that they need to think about, but that's not in their mind frame. Their mind frame is, I see it, I'm going to go after it. I want more women to think like that, to understand their natural leadership ability, to overcome any kind of imposter thought that is in their mind that says, yeah, I may not be right for this because I just, I don't know enough or I'm not, you know, maybe I, I certainly, I can't be as good a leader as somebody else can be. That's what I want to carve out of people's heads and put in instead the ability for people to stand up and say, you know what, I can be mayor. 
I can be governor. I can be lieutenant governor. And there's no question in my mind, I can be in Congress. I'm totally qualified. You're an attorney. You're you're a business owner. You are more than qualified to serve in the capacity of state legislator, congressperson, city council person, whatever you want to do. And what I want to do and what Emerge does is we we help bring out your skill level. We help we show you what skills you have already, whether it's raising money, or field work or talking to people or being authentic in who you are, that's what we want to do. That's where we want to fill in. That's the role we want to play. Stop with this stuff where we have to ask a woman eight times to run for office. Right. I want to be able to have women come up to me and say, I'm going to do this without anybody asking. Mm-hmm. Right. We tend to need permission. Yeah. Or it's not necessary. It's right. not. So how um, how can women get involved, engaged? For anyone listening who might be interested in learning more about Emerge, what do they need to do? So the first thing we're going to do is we're rolling out a new website. We're rolling out um, all kinds of information around our training platform. We're going to start. We're going to have a boot camp right now. We're solidifying dates. It looks like late August, early September, we'll have a three-day boot camp, and then we'll take we'll start accepting applications for our first cohort, and that'll start in early fall as well. So our first cohort will be our first training class, and um, it's a pretty rigorous application process. But we, I mean, it, it, but it's simple in the sense that we ask for people to commit to the training system and to the training program, mm-hmm. so that they don't take up space for other women who want to and can, and so that they actually get the full force of what we're trying to do. And for women who may not have the financial resources, as people donate to Emerge Arkansas, um, some of those that money will be able to be used for scholarships. Is that correct? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, that's one thing I've always been really concerned about is just I, I don't want to exclude women who just don't have the money uh, to pay the, you know, the training fees. And, no. Um, yeah, so that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And part uh, of and, and part of the training itself is showing people how to raise money to support the work that they want to do. Right. Yeah, this is just, not about pulling money out of your pocket or taking, you know, food out of your bu- money out of your budget. This is about, this is about. These are the tools you need to learn. This is what we ask. We want you to make a financial commitment, but that financial commitment is to balance the commitment we're making to you. Mm-hmm. So I'll be there on Saturday. I'm I'm really looking forward to this launch event. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about or mention before we end the call? I just want to say that I have been watching both from afar and from close up on the work that you have done, and I appreciate everything that you have committed to doing and have been instrumental in helping develop. And folks like you, I want to reiterate that what we want to do at Emerge is bring value to the work that's already being done. Right. Thank you. We want to fill in where folks, where we can, and help move what you know what other folks have started. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And I have, you know, I've always been an admirer of yours and the work that you do. So I'm really, really excited that you're in this position. And we'll talk more on Saturday. But in the meantime, Great. thank you and and good sure. luck. And just let me know if there's anything I can do anytime. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Stephanie. 
Hi, Stephanie. Uh, my name is Gayatri Agnew, and I ran for State House um, last year in 2018. I ran for the Arkansas State Legislative seat in the 93rd, which is downtown Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas. Did you run against an incumbent? I did. Who was it? Uh, Jim Dotson. Right. Yeah. And you are a relative newcomer to Arkansas. I am. I'm a newbie. I've, I've lived in Northwest Arkansas for five years this year. So we're the vote run lead training. Yeah. And you spoke about being a brown woman uh, who did not grow up in Arkansas uh, with the name Gayatri Agnew, right? What has been your general experience as that person? So it's... Uh, you are much yeah, more yeah, than yeah. No, it's that. actually so interesting. I think that... I think Northwest Arkansas gets a really bad rap. I've had almost nothing but positive experiences. I've been enormously welcomed not only into the community, literally the community where I live by my neighbors, but the company where I work. I've actually had a really positive experience. What actually became more of an issue for me on my campaign was the fact that I'm a mom Mm -hmm. to two really young kids. But I don't think it was about the fact that I hadn't grown up here. And I don't think it was about the fact that I I am, you know, not Caucasian. I actually think that the sort of identity issue that came up the most was the fact that I'm a mom to young kids. And to be candid, I lost count of the number of people, both men and women, who asked me a version of who's watching your kids while you're out on the campaign trail. And, you know, I ran in 2018. I I thought we were past that question, but I think we're just not. Um, And so I really tried to use it as an as a motivator for me to really say, I think I think we need more women in office, period. I also think we need more moms in office, period, because both both women by gender and specifically moms by life experience have different experiences through their lifetime. And those lived experiences, in my opinion, will make them not better policymakers, but different policymakers than the policymakers we have today who are predominantly older white men. So I think that idea of diversity, any kind of diversity that begins to address, um, I don't, well, now I'll just say the, the pale, pale male stale <laughs> dynamic of our current elected leaders in Arkansas, it to me is not about individuals. It's about the collective whole and the quality of policy you can make. And I think the more diversity we can have amongst our elected leaders, the better policy outcomes we'll get. Yeah, I think there are many groups of people in Arkansas who are not being served by the um, powers that be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another really interesting one is socioeconomic status, right? The, The design of how legislators serve in Arkansas, the very nature of the fact that you have to be in Little Rock for a quarter of the year and somewhere else earning a living the other three fourths of the year means that a whole host of working Arkansans are disqualified from running for office because they simply can't make the economics work. So I think I happen to be a woman. I happen to be a mother. Those were important qualities for me um, when I ran. But I think there are so many other different aspects of diversity that we need amongst our elected leaders. I agree. And uh, just quickly back to your point about um, people asking who's watching your kids while you're at camp. Yeah. You were not the first to have said No. Um, I was in... New Jersey for with the Center for American Women in Politics. We we partnered with them and I was up there and they had some women, some legislators there yeah. to talk to us. And I asked, I said, Well, what do you do when people ask you that question? They looked at me like I was an alien. They're like, You mean voters ask you? Huh. And wow. Said, yeah, and they just don't get that. Now mm. the Northeast is a different culture. It's a mm-hmm. nanny culture, right? Yeah. So they're used to people, <laughs> you know, they're used to two income households and you know, it's just not the way the way it is here. And I've lived on the East Coast. I lived in, you know, I've lived in lots of places. The South is definitely still very 
Southern. Yeah. Um, women have their place here. I think it's changing to some extent, but yeah, I get that completely. Also to that point, tell me about your effort to uh, use campaign money for childcare. Oh, sure. So, so I shared, I ran, I ran for state legislature last year, um, in 2018 and in March or April of last year, there was a congressional candidate up in New York, Lubia Gretchen Shirley, who petitioned the FEC, the federal election commission to allow her, um, to use her campaign funds for campaign related childcare. And the federal election commission said, sure, go ahead and do it. Um, and there was a great NPR story on it. And I remember I was, I was driving to work actually. And I heard the story and I literally had one of those moments, you know, where people are like, and then I just stopped. And I was like, wait a minute. And I did, I literally pulled over and I was like, wait a minute. And I called my husband who happens to be an attorney. And I said like, Hey, do you think we could ask the state of Arkansas if we could do the same here with campaign funds for, for candidates? And he, he was kind of like, sure, I guess I'll be happy to write the petition for you. And then I said to him on the phone, I said, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. I'm sure if it was allowed, somebody else would have already asked. Well, it turns out no one else had previously asked. And we asked, my, my husband wrote the, the petition to the state ethics and elections commission. It took several months, um, but at the end of the summer, they came back with a ruling and they said that indeed we could, that our campaign could use campaign funds for campaign-related childcare. And to be candid, we ended up only using it twice, I think, between the end of August when we got the ruling back and election day. But that wasn't really the point. It wasn't that I needed it as a candidate. It was that, you know, you can use campaign funds to pay for so many things related to how you show up and how you serve your constituents. And the idea that a family couldn't have someone watch their kids so that they could be at a campaign related function, that that was somehow outside the bounds of acceptable campaign expenses just seemed a little silly. And what what I'm most proud of um, is not just the change in the state of Arkansas, but actually that there's been dozens of other states that have taken up this issue, some through their election commissions, and some actually have state legislators that are taking action against it. And I think I think it sends a message to women um, and to moms and to dads that just because you have young children doesn't mean you shouldn't serve an elected office and we're going to help you get there. So I think it's super important. I love it. Uh, last question before we move to Emerge Arkansas. Can you give me a lesson learned? or I don't know, any kind of takeaway from your... From my race? Yeah. I think my biggest lesson learned is how important it is to um, to let other people in. So just the, the volume of support that our campaign received from across, not just our district, but across the state, it, you know, sometimes in the form of financial contributions, sometimes in the form of someone driving to Bentonville to spend the day canvassing and talking to voters about us, and sometimes in the form of a good friend driving from far, far away just to watch my kids for a morning so that I could go out and canvass. I think the genuine reminder that when you're trying to do something good in the world, people show up and help you do it um, is a lesson that we can't learn enough times. And I think my race, even though we weren't successful in the outcome on election day, I was successful in both relearning the lesson and reminding many others that volunteered on the campaign that we can show up for each other um, and do incredible things in community. So that's that's my biggest takeaway. Will you run again? Eventually, I probably will. This next cycle, I, I, I won't. I have some personal issues. My mom's having some health issues and I want to make sure I'm there for my family, um, particularly for my mom. But I will be helping and encouraging many other women to run and men. Good. 
Uh, my name is Gracie Ziegler. I'm from Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've lived in Fayetteville since I was five. Um, had a brief exodus um, to Dallas, but then came back home. And I've been involved in local politics and helping with state races over the last few cycles. Um, and just kind of continued to evolve my engagement and help where I can. What um, prompted your interest in politics? Um, the 2016 election. I mean, I just gut-wrenching um, and just heartbroken in all the words that many, many women have said before. But I mean, it's it's all very true and it's all still very real and very raw. Um, and so that is something that I just had to go and physically be a part of. I've always been a huge proponent of voting and getting your voice out, um, but I was never engaged in the, the political process or in the county party, um, much less the state party. But then I stepped in and just kept kind of going up the ladder with some leadership roles and opportunities. And uh, I currently lead the Washington County Democratic Women. Do you plan to run for office? No. Okay. I think you answered that question a little too fast, Gracie. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But I, I like being I like being behind the scenes and I like helping and um, kind of being leadership back behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Yeah. We all have our different roles. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want you to run for office, but... Thank you. I know you've heard that before, so we'll see. Maybe someday. Um, but if not, thank you for, for the help you do provide to everyone. Uh, so tell me about Emerge and how how that all came about. Because I feel like people have been talking about bringing Emerge to Arkansas for quite a few years. Yes. Yeah, it definitely. And it seems like it's been going on for a long time when really it hasn't. And it's all been happening very fast. And, and we are finally physically emerging in Arkansas. So Emerge is um, part of Emerge America, a national training group for Democratic women. Um, and they are state-based affiliates. Um, we are the 25th state to affiliate with the national organization. Um, we formally affiliated just before Christmas last year, um, and we formed a, a starting board. We've got 10 women across the state that represent different geographic locations, different backgrounds, different um, ethnicities, and other diversity groups that can bring together women in Arkansas to run um, and train on the Democratic ticket. What kinds of things will Emerge be doing? Is it just campaign trainings? It is, um, but it's all the all the different facets of campaign training. So it's definitely training the candidates themselves, but then also training those that want to help um, help campaigns um, and help support and lead campaigns. We do strategically train women and those that have affiliated with the Democratic Party. So we are very specific in how we train and where we want people to run. Um, we're also um, wanting to make sure we're recruiting adequately as well, so that we do have that representation of diversity and women that look like the women of Arkansas um, and speak and talk and act and can represent at all levels of government from city council and school board up to state levels up to federal levels um, representing Arkansas specifically. You and I have talked about diversity and the importance of engaging everyone mm -hmm. and being very intentional about including everyone in our efforts and uh, is there is there any challenge you've identified in doing that or is it really just a matter of hey why have we never thought to ask Gayatri to run before or do you, or do you know yeah I mean it goes back to the the women uh, the the fact about women have to be asked seven to ten times before they do anything. So we are now in the business of asking and asking and asking and asking and encouraging. Um, and whether it's somebody coming to a, um, a training. So we have two different types of trainings. We do boot camp trainings, um, which is a immersive weekend. And then we do a six month cohort, um, whether it's people coming to that six month training that want to 
think about how they can project into the political cycle, uh, maybe five or 10 years down the road, or whether it's somebody that's gone through that six months and maybe wants to come back and get a little refresher in a boot camp because they're ready to announce. Um, so we are looking, we're definitely in it for the long game. Um, we want to make sure that we've got a strong bench ready to run and ready to, to lead in campaigns as well. That's awesome. And do you have anything coming up? Are you officially launching in June? Is that right? Yes, we are officially launching June 1 um, in Little Rock. We've got an event, a brunch event at Trio's from 10 to noon, and we will have um, all of our board present so everybody can come and meet the board that has been working really hard to get things set up. We will formally introduce our incoming executive director, and we will formally announce our first boot camp training date, which will be early fall, late summer, early fall. Um, we're still na- nailing down specifics on that, but all of that will be announced and unveiled on June 1st. Good. Very exciting. And then do you also get, uh, well, let me just ask this. Um, what can people listening do to help you advance your mission? Please definitely uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We're um, out sharing information about Arkansas politics specific to women, as well as what's going on with other Emerge affiliates um, on social media. So that's the best way to get um, connected directly to us. Um, we are looking to um, have sponsorships for our kickoff event, as well as knowing that these trainings are not going to be cheap. They are going to be statewide. They are going to be open to any woman that wants to run. And so we want to be able to facilitate those trainings at a, in a cost-effective manner for the candidates. So we're always looking for sponsorships and connections to um, help fundraise and donate to Emerge Arkansas. And I think the number one thing people can do is nominate a woman to, to go through our training. So to Gracie's point about women having to be asked seven to ten times, one of the things we hope Emerge will help to do is to identify women who maybe have never thought about running. So Stephanie, if you know someone, and Gracie and I both think about people, and we have a um, nominate a woman um, section on the website where you can go in and nominate a woman, and then you don't necessarily have to be the one to talk to her, but she's going to get a note from Emerge, and it's going to say someone thinks you should run for office. Have you ever thought about it? And maybe she's going to get five of those notes or ten of those notes, and then maybe that results in her wanting to come to a training. So I think the one thing that all of us can do, no matter how how we support women serving in office in the future is to dare to suggest to a woman that she ought to serve. And I know just personally, sometimes people aren't ready to hear that directly from a friend. And so we're, we're facilitating that uh, digitally, if you'd like to do that. So nominate a woman to run. You know, it's funny you say that, and I don't know what the psychology is behind it, but when, when friends have said to me, oh, you should do something, I'm like, oh, you know, roll my eyes. What? Very easy to brush that off. Yep. But I have actually gotten calls from organizations say, hey, so-and-so said you'd be yes. a great board member or whatever. I'm like, yeah. huh, okay. Mm-hmm. And for some yeah. reason, it felt more legitimate, maybe because we think our friends are just blowing smoke up our asses. <laughs> well, I think there is this aspect, you know, there's a lot of groups that train women, and I am thankful and grateful for every single one. But I think one of the, the core tenets of Emerge is that you shouldn't have to already know the right people to run, that anyone can build an effective winning campaign, but um, knowing the right people helps that happen more quickly. And I think having the right tools helps that happen more quickly, right? And so Emerge is a way to help people rapidly build that network that will allow them to be effective and successful candidates. And then to make sure they have the tools. People don't wake up one day, say they want to run for office and design effective winning campaigns. You know, I'd I'd love to think that's how it happens, but there are strategies involved. There's nuts and bolts and tools of how good campaigns are run. And Emerge is here to make sure those tools, those trade secrets, those strategies are available to any Democratic woman who wants to run in the state of Arkansas. Very exciting. 
good. Well, thank you both so much for your work. Thank Our you, Stephanie. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Stephanie. I look forward to working with you. Likewise. Oh, once I got out, I was telling Gayatri before, and I may have told you this when we met last time, but, you know, when, when these kind of groups started popping up, I was like, thanks, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we do this, but now that's right. We're building the sisterhood. The sisterhood can have a lot of sisters. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and truly, we cannot have enough training. Yeah, so, it's true. So I'm, I'm, you know, I got over myself quickly. But. <laughs> well, that's the great thing about us being. I mean, we're out of vote run lead training, right. and we're able to parallel um, and then dovetail into women that have decided to, from today to run. Then we can help with the training going forward mm-hmm. and continue that stair step path all the way through and support network. Yeah, the stronger the network, the more success we'll have. So yeah, that's right. You're right. So I really do appreciate you very much. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Uh, my name is Lou Reed Sharp, and I'm from Springdale, Arkansas. Are I live you, south of Tawnytown. Have you uh, lived here a long time, your whole life? Basically on and off my entire life. Okay. I've been in the area 30-something years, live above the family farm. So where we where I was raised. So. so did you grow up farming? Yes, my dad was. Uh, we had a big farm on Clear Creek, and he raised cattle and was a turkey farmer. And uh, Mama was a nurse. She was an RN, and I mean, my home overlooks the big farm. Were they like the most practical, like down to earth people? Those professions, to me, that's my impression of nurses and farmers for sure. Maybe not. <laughs> you know, I th- well, I think they're people that care mm-hmm. and they believe in hard work. They're resilient and they're persistent. Mm-hmm. So my dad had a degree in agri, so he taught for the Foreign Service for many years when I was a child. We lived on a res- Indian reservation in Owyhee, Nevada, and then we lived five years overseas on an island called Saipan. And he taught the local um, Marshallese and Marianne Island people how to farm and um, build their own slaughterhouses and taught them farming. Mom, I was the oldest of five, um, so mother was an Aryan. And she was the director of nurses on the Indian Reservation. And then overseas, she worked as a nurse also. So, and then I went on, um, went on and became a nurse um, and graduated from the University of Arkansas. So you were a nurse, are a nurse for your career? I I was a career RN. And I knew early on that I enjoy, I, I loved working with people, particularly older people. I was the only nurse in my class that went on to work in a nursing home. So I got the experience to actually do home health nursing. Mm -hmm. And home health is different than hospital nursing because you're actually in the patient's home or the family's home. And then I went on and became a hospice nurse. We added hospice as a service to our program because it was needed in Washington County. And then I was instrumental in coming on, was a co-founder for Circle of Life Hospice. Mm -hmm. And we built the area's first freestanding big hospice house. And I tell people it's different than nursing when you're in an institution. We're in people's homes. And you're empowering them to take better care of themselves. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what I've done all my life. I still enjoy people. You know, I don't practice nursing anymore. I have a small business. I work with women that uh, that sew. And uh, after I retired, I created a small business with my daughter, and we teach women how to sew, and then they can use those sewing skills to make products at home because they can't hold traditional jobs. So often they're um, 70, they're older, they can't go to work and work 12-hour shifts anymore or even 8-hour shifts, or they're taking care of grandkids, or maybe they're stay-at-home moms and they're taking care of kids. And so it was a way that they could learn a skill Mm -hmm. and sew for their own family, but also have some additional income. That's great. And so I still do that. So I still, for the last five years on on Saturdays, we're at the farmer's market, and it was at the farmer's market working with the farmers that I realized people were struggling. Mm -hmm. A lot of the vendors at the farmer's market worked full-time and still did a market every Saturday to pay off debt, to pay for health care, to buy medicine. And it was also when I started, it was before Obamacare. It was before the ACA. So, so many of those people, we had, they had no insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were self-employed farmers. I got interested really in, in the political side of things when I met Governor Hutchinson. And remember, Asa Hutchinson made home health visits with me when they were cutting home health services. And he made home health visits with me so that he could see how those cuts were impacting people. Well, I was at the Women's March in D.C., and I call him Asa. I went up and talked to him, and all these women were in their little pink hats and all this stuff. And I said, you know, I'm working with women that are 50 and 60, and they're not on Medicare. You're going to take away their insurance. I've got to keep my small business alive in case they have to get insurance through it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I gave him very specific examples. And we agreed it was a complex issue. You've got Medicaid. You've got a lot of, I mean, it's complicated. And it absolutely came away, and he didn't do anything. Not one thing. And I mean, I had helped people sign up for the ACA, and they got diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, some of them have died, but at least they had medication. I mean, they it was impacting real lives. And, and then the shootings happened, and that's actually when the, and, and the high school students were being brave, and they were standing up at Fayetteville High School and Bentonville High School, and they were scared. And you had your white supremacists walking around the square with their guns and you know those kids were brave enough to stand up in the middle of the square and read off the names of the people who died at Parkland Mm -hmm. and I decided right then and there that I could be strong too that if they could find their voice I could find my voice and that's when you decided to run for absolutely it was what did you absolutely was I ran for the House of Representatives in Arkansas for District 80 and that was in the 18 last year Last year? This last year, I ran for District 80, which is rural Arkansas, so it's 
south of Tawny Town, Lincoln Prairie Grove, and clear down to Van Buren. Mm -hmm. Very rural. Um, parts of the district are not as well off as Fedville. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're dealing with farmers. You're dealing with people that have lost their health insurance. They don't know how they're going to go buy their medications. And now we've got a dirt farm sitting in the middle of the Illinois River over there. Well, you know, our clean rivers and waters are something our farmers depend on. And somebody has got to stand up for these little people. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm absolutely going to run again because people are still losing their health insurance. They still can't afford to buy their medications. Right. They're transferring, you know, taxpayer funds to private schools. And we've got schools where in one of the towns, it, it, well, in two of my towns, 70% of the kids are on reduced or free lunches. And in one of the little towns, 99% are on free and reduced lunches. And that's considered normal mm -hmm. in a farming community. Mm -hmm. It isn't normal. I don't know when it became normal to have that much poverty and food insecurity. It isn't normal. I agree. It should not be, for sure. And I've always voted, but when I started to run, I realized how difficult we're making everything. Mm -hmm. We can't even do early voting in Lincoln, Arkansas. You can't even vote. I mean, it's like, why, why are you making it so hard for people to vote? Right. Well, and, and it's not that we can't. We don't. We don't. Right. We choose not to. Right. And unless somebody stands up and, and asks these tough questions mm -hmm. or makes space so you're heard, you don't do it. I found in running that it gave me the confidence to speak up for people. It's harder for me to talk about myself or ask for money for me or ask for something for me. Mm -hmm. But I'll go to the ends of the earth to help other people. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's yeah. to buy food, if it's to get their kids in college without enormous debt. There's just so many issues that we have made. And we've taken away opportunities from our kids. And now they're doing they're doing active shooter drills in pre-K in the first grade. It's just stupid. We're raising our kids in a constant state of anxiety and PTSD. So you have an entire generation since Columbine that de have dealt every year constantly with gun violence. You don't put an autistic six-year-old in a closet and tell them to be quiet and don't provide mental health services when they get out of the closet. They can't learn. This isn't normal. And I realize my farmers, you know, the farmers where I live, we all have guns. Mm -hmm. We shoot deer we do all this stuff but we've got to take some common sense action because you we just can't raise our sixth grader or six-year-olds afraid they're going to get shot when they go into school is that nuts it's nuts but it's also politically expedient so this is all by design, in my in my humble opinion. I'm sure it is, but it isn't normal. That's why we need more people who and want to solve problems. And we need people to stand up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, now in my approach, I mean, when I'm out on the campaigning and knocking doors, I meet people as a retired nurse 
because I've been in those homes because I made visits in Lincoln and Prairie Grove. I took care of those families that wanted to stay at home to die. So people do talk Mm -hmm. to me, and I can tell them how to get some assistance if they can't get their hip fixed or can't buy their medications or can't take care of their diabetes. Mm -hmm. No one's talked to them. Well, I'm glad you ran, and thank you, and good luck in the future. Hi. Hi. Who are you? Natalie Willis. Natalie Willis. And what do you do? I'm a Methodist minister. Oh, really? Up here in? No, in Little Rock area. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. What What church? Moody Chapel AME Church. Where is that? It's at 5630 Mabelville Pike in Little Rock. So are you from Little Rock? Yes. What brings you here today? Well, I came for the concert yesterday. Which concert? For the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. What? Mm-hmm. So when I was probably... I don't know, seven or so, I did a jazz recital to Earth, Wind, and Fire. (laughs) I cannot remember what the song was, but anyway, so how was it? It was wonderful. Was it? Okay, Mm -hmm. good, good. So you came for the concert, and then you stayed to come to this to support. I'm I'm planning on running. Oh, you are? Yes, but uh, I was going home, Uh but I decided to stay, and so I became a participant today. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. What do you want to run for? Probably city council. Okay, the Little Rock City Board? Yes. Uh, well, get in touch with me because I've got lots of materials if, uh-huh. you, if you need them. So uh-huh. I'd, I'd love to help you. Um, so you've been a minister for, is that has that been your career? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What then brings you to politics? Well, I'm passionate about justice. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way God designed me. Right. So, what do you mean by justice? Well, I've, I grew up in the civil rights era. So anything dealing with discrimination, anything along those lines, equality, equity for all people. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm passionate about. How old were you? And you don't have to tell me if you don't. Some women don't like to talk. 65 years old. So 65. So how old were you in the late 50s? Were you around? Were you old enough in 57 for the Little Rock Central crisis? I'm knowledgeable about it. No, I was born in 54. 54. So you were too young then. Mm -hmm. You might be perfect because I've been looking for someone to talk to who who was active during the civil rights area. Because I want to talk to you about kind of then versus today and the parallels, but also the differences. That's what brings me here. Okay. Because I've lived it. Right. And what I'm seeing now is just a repeat. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it, and we're repeating yeah. it again. Now, mm-hmm. we do know, a lot of people do know the history, but some love the inequalities. And so they hold fast to that. And so I'm passionate about contradictions. Mm-hmm. If you are a person that loves God, how can you hate? Right. Inequality is something I've lived. Now, I was born in 1954. That's my mother and father born in 1910. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I know their history and the prior history of slavery because I had family members that came from those places. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, uh, I see it when I saw, well, I saw it when I was growing up. My brothers and sisters, we came from the Pinnacle Mountain area. That's Mm -hmm. where I was born and raised. And so because they had to get up before day to go to Horace Bend and Dunbar, clear across town, it's something we lived when we had to pass schools that we could have gone to. Mm -hmm. But because of the racial issues, we did not. And so in 1967, I was part of integration and went to Robinson junior high school. So you helped integrate Robinson? Well, it was, we're the first classes that went to Robinson. And like I said, uh, I come from a place that we, in my community at that time, we had whites and blacks that did things together. 
because we had to do those things to survive. So a lot of times my father would have them at our home and we loved them because they were just people. Mm-hmm. But to go to school and to live some of the things we had to go through, I've been passionate about mm-hmm. serving God, number one. And so uh, those things I can't fully grasp how people can go to church on Sundays and then turn around before the day is out and do something totally different. As someone who is not religious, I feel exactly the mm -hmm. same way. So, you know, doing unto others as you would have them done Mm -hmm. to you is one of my things. And so I'm passionate about working in the area where I can make a difference in my community because I'm a person that's not afraid of articulating what I believe. I can speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so because I've been called to that, and that's what I'm fashioned for is justice, then that's what I do. Well, there's certainly plenty to fix Mm -hmm. in Little Rock. Oh, yes, Little Rock school issues. Yeah, you talk talk about segregation. No, it's a tough thing. Yeah. And we're going back to the separate and unequal in the schools. That's right. Intentionally. I mean, like. No, it's by design. Of course it is. It's by design. So if we see, uh, I, I don't understand the president and how he can say he's a godly man and does all the things that he does and the evangelicals support him, I I can't see it. Mm -hmm. It's a contradiction. Mm -hmm. So um, for myself, it's been put in my spirit and shown to me that I can stand and and do these things. Well, I'm really grateful for you. Mm -hmm. I'm glad glad you feel that way. Um, So you've never run for office before? No. All right. No, I have a nephew that's in the legislature. Who's your nephew? Right. Frederick Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my nephew. Well, you know, Charles Blake just resigned. I actually thought about running for his spot because I'm in his district. All right. And um, But there are several people who have also expressed interest. So I'm going to kind of see how it shakes out because I'm not a member of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. even though I do. I mm-hmm. am liberal. Well, but I'm, at the end of the day, it's about serving. That's a right. A label, you know, it's just a label. Yeah. So, but if you have a good heart and good intentions mm-hmm. to make a difference, that's, so be it. Yeah, that's exactly where mm-hmm. I am. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But don't let me not get your information because I really want to talk to you more and we can get together on Little Rock. Okay. And I want to talk about all of these things mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I see it happening around me. And I live in Soma. Like, we've owned that house since 08. And it wasn't that hot then. It's becoming very hip, you know, with all the white people. Mm-hmm. And oh. I... <laughs> We don't want to go there and talk about that. Reclamation. People reclaiming areas they once left. There's a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. We do need to talk about that, though. Uh-huh. Not right now. I'm saying when we get to Little Rock. Okay. But I talked to my husband about it. I'm like, you know, we need to make sure that, because we live on the first floor and then we have apartments upstairs. And I said, we need to make sure that we keep this affordable so that we're not pushing people out of the neighborhood. And it's always, I think, been fairly mixed anyway mm-hmm. in that area, at least in my experience. But property values are going up. Mm-hmm. and It's the same thing in Oak Forest where I live. Is it? Is mm-hmm. it? Is it? So it's gentrifying there? Yes. Yeah. I remember the time you couldn't even live in Oak Forest. What do you mean you couldn't live there? Because they, had, they, they had signs. You couldn't. Blacks, they weren't welcome. Oh, oh, yeah. No. Do you know Robert Webb? Robert Webb. He's, he's kind of a community gadfly. Man. He has taught me a lot about the anger in the black community about... So, for example, you know, they put bike lanes on mm. Main Street and 12th Street. It's not that people don't want bike lanes. It's that they've been asking for sidewalks for 60 years. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the white people wanted bike lanes, they, they got, got it. Bike lanes. That's right. So Okay, I'll give you a good example. Okay. Oak Forest. It was a time that you couldn't live in Oak Forest. Okay, but now we have West Little Rock. We have sidewalks where there are not people. Mm-hmm. Deers and other things walking around, mm-hmm. but not people. But downtown in Oak Forest, you have a pig, I call them pig trails because the street is not really wide enough for two cars. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. see? Mm-hmm. So it falls off into a ditch. Well, see? that's not safe. <laughs> so my thing is always you're taxed according to where you live and your property values. So you can't help it if you're not out west. But they pay the biggest taxes. I, I don't care about that. I'm paid, you t- pay according to where you are. Mm-hmm. And it should all go into a pool. Mm-hmm. And then everybody equally. Mm-hmm. I served out of those pools. That's right. And that's what I feel. But you can't even go down the street. You have to stop and wait for a car to pass then. Right. Well, and that's why we need people like you on the board, mm-hmm. because everyone has to be represented and mm-hmm. there has to be some pushback. So, a yeah, pushback. Oh, we have a lot. We're going to work together. I can feel it. OK, so so do you know when the race is? No. OK, no, I'm today You're when I came now. today when I came, I knew that I was going to run for something. OK, so this is new. Okay. All right. So uh, Emma's kind of a guiding force. Okay. But at the end of the day, I will be running for something. Okay, good. Whether it's just the peace, city council, whatever it is, I'll get in there. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So do you feel, uh, has this training been helpful? Yes, very. Good. In what way? Just, well, kind of a, a example of what you need to do first, mm-hmm. how to get yourself positioned, mm-hmm. having a platform. I know those things uh, are necessary, mm-hmm. but kind of being able to stand up and articulate what it is. Right. You know, it's been a guiding. Yeah. Step by step. Yeah. Example real, of what you, you kind know, of how, focus. To get, yes, yeah. how to get started. Mm-hmm. And these are the things you need to focus on. Okay. And to hear it firsthand from people that are in office is good. Yes, I agree. I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. So, so good. All mm-hmm. right. Well, I appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate you talking to me. Yeah. And we will definitely be in touch okay. uh, because I want to talk to you more. My name is Misty Duffy, and I'm from Yellville, Arkansas. Oh, Yellville. So Yellville <laughs> is, is that Pope County? It's actually Marion County. It's by the Buffalo River. It's oh. about two hours west from Fayetteville. East. I'm sorry, east. <laughs> sorry, I was talking to another lady that was from the west. No, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I'm glad right, you're so getting you're it. <laughs> north Arkansas. Okay, that's, I'm pretty good with my Arkansas geography, okay. so I can't, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of Yell County. You might be thinking of Yell that's, County. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yellville is part of Marion County. Okay, okay. It's a small town. Yeah, mm-hmm. Arkansas confuses yes. me. They, they just okay. <laughs> throw me off. Are you from here? Or? Well, I've okay. been here for 22 years, so okay, I'm good. practically from here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nice. I live in Little Rock. Okay, nice. So we're here at Vote Run Lead 2019, and what brings you here today? I really came to learn about everything that's involved in running in a campaign, the different positions that are coming up, and really to join forces with other women that want to make a difference in our state. Is this something that you've been thinking about for a while? It is. It's been a few years that I've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming and getting more involved, even beyond what we currently are involved in our communities and taking it to another level. If you were to decide to run for office someday, what in your mind is sort of the biggest obstacle to help that keeps you from making that decision? I don't know that it's so much an obstacle that keeps me from making the decision of, of whether or not to run. I think it has a lot more to do with what we can do together in the right time of having more than one person involved in that. What I mean is that I think it, it takes a village, they say, to raise a child, mm-hmm. and I think it takes a village to make a difference, make I agree. a change. I agree. And let me make sure I understand this. So in, in making a decision to for you to run for office, you feel like you have to have your village in place? Is that what you're saying? I think yes. I think it has a lot to do with making sure it's the right time, whether it's myself or somebody else running. You know when it's the time for the next chapter or the next initiative in your life. I feel like as an individual with being, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a business owner, and I'm an Arkansan. So on top of all of these things, in making a difference in the small community in which I live, it's how can we 
explode that and make a difference in a larger area. And in order to do that, I think you have to be doing it at the right time. Right. I hope it's the right time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I I am always tempted to ask, I always want to ask women if they have a family. Do they have children? And I don't think that we ask men those same questions. Mm. And so I don't feel right asking it. But at the same time, I think that women have to think about that in ways that men don't. Because, and I'm really generalizing here, and I'm not trying to disparage men at all, but it's just the way our culture is built. Um, And we should be asking men that question. We should be. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You know, I I think men tend to think of of a decision like running for office as almost a professional decision. Like, will it be good for my career? Can I afford to take off, you know, from work to to do whatever it is? But when women think about it, they have to think about, well, I've got kids, I've got a partner, I've got a job, I've got, who's going to do this? Who's going to cook for them? What, you know, all of the things, who's going to clean the house, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I I just think women have such a a broader considerations. And um, I'm glad we think about that. I think that that is the same thing that makes us so well qualified to run for office. Because when we do make decisions about policy or we vote on something, we are, I think, more likely to consider the impact on a broader community instead of just a specific focus. It's not a self-centered campaign. It's something for an an entire community. You're correct. Mm -hmm. So is this the first uh, campaign training you've attended? Yes, uh, I did help. My husband ran in an election a few years ago. So he is district court judge over Marion and Baxter County. Mm And it was nonpartisan as position, and I learned some from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is the first female-focused mm-hmm. run-as-you-are campaign I've ever been involved in. And so far, I'm extremely impressed with the individuals that have already gotten up to speak. I don't know if you've been able to have them on your pot, but my goodness. It's impressive. <laughs> I would vote for every single one of it's them. It's impressive. It is extremely yeah. impressive. And just the passion that I see in each of them, and not only the passion, I have to say, but the, the initiative to make a difference with that and to really do something about it. They're already making a difference. They're not waiting until they're elected into a position to start making a change. Mm-hmm. They're making a change now. Right. And I love seeing that. Yeah. Uh, so, so far the day's been great. <laughs> it's extremely inspiring. It is inspiring. Mm-hmm. And another thing I really like about the nonpartisan trainings, although yes. I'm, I am personally partisan, but I, yeah. I, my nonprofit is nonpartisan. The women you're talking about, I don't know what party they belong to, but I could see myself supporting them yes. no matter what party they're in. Exactly. Because I do, I just want us to solve problems. Exactly. Right? And yes. So, and yes. so, I, and I, I feel like they're all coming from an authentic, genuine place. Um, and anyway, I could go on about that. But yeah, I agree. I, I, th- I think it's great. I think it's great. And yeah, I, it's I love really these trainings. Fun. Yeah. yeah so. So. Okay. Well, I'll let you go. I know it's okay. lunchtime, but thank, thank you so you. much and good luck. It's nice to meet it's you. Nice thank you. Too, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Hi. Hi. Have a seat. I don't know what we're talking about. I have Women Lead Arkansas. It's a nonpartisan nonprofit, and we do campaign trainings as well. And um, I started, because I don't have enough things to do, I started a podcast called Uppity Women. And so just talking to different people. And so I'm here supporting Star and the the Vote Run Lead and and all the women who are here. And so really, I just want to know who you are, where you're from, and why you're here. Planning to run for office or supporting women or whatever. Sure. Okay, got it. I'm Stephanie Baker. I am the local group lead for Benson. Moms Demand Action, and I am here today because we love to support candidates when they're running for office. I'm going to interrupt. I just I interviewed Eve Jorgensen, um, so she's going to be not not this Monday, but the next Monday she'll nice. be on. Yeah, and love I'm, Eve. She's I'm fabulous. she she is fabulous, and I'm trying to find if you know of anyone. Um, 
I want to present all perspectives. And so I want someone, someone who's, who can actually have a nuanced conversation about gun rights and gun control and, and stuff like that. So if you think of anyone, I haven't found anyone yet. Um, okay, so, uh, and then what's your name? I'm Joanna Thomas, and I'm the Fayetteville Group Lead of Moms Demand Action. How did you all get involved in Moms Demand? Well, uh, during the previous legislative session when they were debating whether or not to um, force colleges and universities to allow people to carry firearms, that sparked my attention and I noticed some friends down in Little Rock gathering at the Capitol in these lovely trademarked red shirts and I wanted to know what was going on so I talked to um, my friend Austin who was uh, the lead of the Little Rock group at the time and uh, got some more information about it and realized that you know my voice was powerful in contacting my legislators to oppose this but our voices together were much more powerful and then our good friend Nicole Clowney uh, started the Northwest Arkansas group and we joined her uh, in doing that. Um, my story is very similar. Of course, I'm a college professor, and so I didn't want guns in my classroom, and I didn't want guns in my office. But re- what really um, concreted this for me was after Parkland, I remember dropping my nine-year-old off at school, and we had had an argument in the car, and when she got out, I forgot to tell her I loved her. And I knew at that moment that I had to do more, that I had to be more in my community, and that, I mean, my mission is to end gun violence. Had you been involved in um, politically before, or is this your first? Kind of my first role in leadership politically. I've, I've always been a passionate person and have found ways to make phone calls or, you know, put a sign in my yard and, and speak out about causes and people that I'm passionate about and for. But no, this was really my first foray into so-called activism. Mm-hmm. I'm a social worker and I'm the president of the National Association of Social Workers here in Arkansas. Um, And so I'm very uh, familiar with policy and advocacy and lobbying. This is my first concerted effort where I went out and door knocked and phone banked and really boots on the ground, but I've been at the Capitol and I've been um, in talks with legislators. So it wasn't unfamiliar territory, but this was new in many different ways. And you teach at the U of A? I do. You teach social work? Yes, I do. My mom's a social worker. She was president of NASW in South Dakota. Yeah. She's at Children's now. We have a lot in common. I might have to stay and drink this weekend. I don't know. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, do either of you plan to run for office someday? I'm going to go ahead and say Joanna is going to run for office someday. Uh, What does Joanna say? Um, I don't currently have plans to run for office because we have fantastic leadership Mm -hmm. from city council all the way up to the Senate. So I'm saying not at this moment. However, it is not off the table for me and I will consider it at some point. Right. And I feel the same way. It's not off the table forever, but for right now, I am loving my role of supporting all the women around me to run for office Mm -hmm. and then fighting for them to win. Yeah, I've definitely found that sometimes that's not your role to run for office and and to support others, but there's so much you can be doing on the ground, like with Moms Demand or working in your school district or whatever it is. So I think it's really important that we take on all the roles. And I think we we learned through our work with Moms Demand Action this uh, last election cycle that we are powerful and those very simple acts of calling your neighbors, writing postcards, and knocking on every single door, that's how you win elections. And we saw both Nicole Clowney and Denise Garner now in the state legislature. They won their races. Yeah, it was pretty impressive up here. Yeah. I was watching from afar from Little Rock, and, and I've always really loved the uh, strong network of women in Northwest Arkansas. We have a similar one, but it's just a little different. We'll talk about that off mic sometime. But with issues like gun 
I, I don't like to call it gun control. No, we don't either. Um, what do you call it? Gun violence prevention. Okay, gun violence. Or public safety measures. Public safety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's much better. Because I grew up with guns and, you know, my stepdad hunted and all of that. And I'm not anti-gun, but I am... I'm anti-bad people. I mean, like... Sure. Yeah, as an organization, we support the Second Amendment. Right. And we also know that there are certain public safety measures that we can take to reduce the burden of gun violence in our country. Right. And it should not be a question that 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 domestic batterers should not have access to guns. Correct. I mean, the statistics are just... Overwhelming. Yes, yes. So I don't get that. But anyway, do you ever feel like you are... Do you worry about your safety? Yes, actually. Yeah. Have you been threatened... Uh, not directly. We, we've seen some local groups talk about coming to our meetings and open carrying AR-15s right. and such. They haven't actually done that. The only time they actually came out was when the students actually organized the uh, March for Our Lives two marches ago, mm-hmm. two, a month march ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a counter protest where mostly men were carrying AR-15s and it was rather intimidating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had the police there with drones and it was it was a little bit intimidating and it was heartbreaking for me because the whole event was just student-led, student-planned, and they were telling their stories and reading the names of the victims from the Parkland shooting. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was meant to be amplifying the voices of these students and um, there were not very many of those counter protesters, but the media spent a good bit of time highlighting that because it mm-hmm. makes a better story. And I wanted the students' stories to be highlighted. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I don't. Those threats are there, but I, I don't think anybody has seriously. We've only ever had one person show up um, to an event open carrying, and they were allowed. You know, that's that's a right that is given in Arkansas. And they were escorted around by police, and so we didn't really worry about it. There's a lot of threats that get made. You know, we find, though, that when the other side, I guess if you'll call them organized, it's usually about five or six, which is nothing in comparison to the Fayetteville meeting a year ago when there were 300 of us there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, Americans are on the side of doing something to prevent gun violence, whether it's as simple as um, universal criminal background checks. And so I think that we're winning on this, and I think that the opposition is a much smaller population sometimes than we even realize it is. I agree with you completely. And it's true with everything, that the people with the loudest voices make you feel like it's this broad movement, and it's really not. And whenever I've been able to actually just sit down and speak with someone who claims to be against what you're trying to accomplish, they're really not. Right. They just think you're all wanting to take away their guns, which is not the case at all. Sure. And we're working hard to to change that perception. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why we always lead with we are not against the Second Amendment. We are not an anti-gun organization. Many of our members are gun owners Mm -hmm. or their spouses are gun owners. We're not against legal and safe ownership of guns Mm -hmm. at all. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks. And thank you. It sounds like it's getting quiet, so I don't want us to miss anything. Yeah, we should get back in there. But but yeah, thank you very much. much.